Hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the week, the month of one week. It's the month of Halloween. Anyway, I'm Derek Hunter. It is the second day of October 2023. Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Show only exists because you guys have low standards. I'm loving it. Now, appreciate the use of your ears. I'll give them back to you. Mostly undamaged. Mostly undamaged. The contest, I'll announce the winner of the contest tomorrow because uh, i started this one a week a day late maybe we'll just move i don't know but it's uh signed greg gutfeld book versus uh who the hell was it signed oh yeah gene hackman book so gene oscar winner multiple two-time oscar winner gene hackman one of his novels versus greg gutfeld one of his novels novel books so there you go all right so this is going to be a very long. I was hoping to get the. Uh, I've been getting good responses to the inclusion of the hits that I do for uh, Bo Snerdley's show every Saturday morning. So I went and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get the. Uh, I'll go get the podcast. They didn't post the podcast today, this week, whatever. So who the hell knows? I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, so it won't be that. I had a good couple of jokes in there too. Damn it. And uh, James said something wildly complimentary to me about how I remind him of how I think reminds him of Rush, something about being a unique thinker. And now it's lost forever because who knows if they'll ever post it. So that sucks. Anyway, uh, speaking of thinkers and somebody who are not is not a thinker. My God. Of course, we. I'm speaking to you today from a non-smoldering suburban Washington, D.C. area. It has not been burned to the ground. People are not currently rioting in the streets and buying canned goods and dehydrated foods and what have you because the government was shut down. Holy Frank to Nana, we averted cannibalism, really. Let's be honest. I've been eyeballing a couple of people in the neighborhood should the government shut down who I might, I, I don't want to, kill them but they have some limbs that they could do without and you know you got to feed the family to hear the story leading up to the potential government shutdown it was really just going to be that what about the children on snap programs they might have to go without food oh no you mean they'll just have to live off of the breakfast lunch and dinner that the schools are giving them now in these liberal areas that i don't understand honestly why these uh, parents who are that bad of parents are in need of food stamps, to be perfectly honest with you, to feed their children, the little crumb crunchers, all oh, the poor, sweet, sweet, nourishing children. Well, if the school, the government schools are giving you breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what are we what are we doing? I mean, they stay open in some of these cities year round. So, oh, it's summertime, yeah, but I gotta go to school because my parents are god-awful people who won't buy a box of cornflakes with the money the government gives them to buy the box of cornflakes with so they can feed me. Oh, that's a little oversimplification. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's not an unrealistic scenario for a great many people. You can always find somebody who slips through the cracks. No question about it. But 
the rest of the sidewalk sucks, right? The rest of the sidewalk is the problem. I don't know anybody who isn't willing to support a program that helps people who are truly in need. What we have now is the social safety net has become a hammock. And so many of the people who are supposed to raise children, parents, I think is the word. I'm looking, You're not allowed to say that anymore. A mom and a dad. That's a real hate crime to even mention that. Those people are supposed to take care of their children, to feed their children, to clothe their children. And you know what is required in doing that? And I think I speak for 99% of parents. Sacrifice is required for that. Believe me, I would love nothing more than to eat a dry-aged steak every single day. But my kids have to eat. I could. I could. I probably could swing it either way if I was really smart about my money, but I'd also probably have a heart attack or something. But you just don't do those sorts of things. You want to set a good example for your child on top of it. And you can't express, I can't express enough how good of an example it is to set for a child that you get your ass out of bed in the morning and make them breakfast. Doesn't have to be, you know, like the, I remember when I was a kid, the side of a cereal box, like this thing of sh- sugar bowls, that's all they were. They used to have sugar right there in the names. This thing of sugar bowls is part of a nutritious, part of this nutritious breakfast. And you go, okay, what do you got? You got waffles there. You got a bowl of the cereal. You got uh, a glass of milk and a glass of orange juice. You've got bacon, eggs, toast. You've got, I don't know what the hell that is. That sausage over there. What is, is, is that a, a leg of lamb? Like, what the, the picture was the most unrealistic thing ever. I'm like, who the hell, Richie Rich doesn't eat this much crap for breakfast. So you go, yeah, okay, I could see why this bowl of sugar crunchies are a part of a balanced breakfast. But I think that breakfast would be a hell of a lot more balanced if you took the bowl of sugar crunchies away. Just saying. But no, even pouring a bowl of Cheerios shows the kid that you care. But if it's like, well, go to school. The government's going to feed you. The school's going to feed you. You are then showing that kid, whether you know it or not, and if you let your kid become part of this, I don't know that you're smart enough to know it. Yes, I'm judgy today. Uh, You're showing your kid that good things come from government. That good things come from government. When you're hungry, look to the government. When you're scared, look to the government. When you're concerned, look. Whenever it is, look to government. Don't look to your family. Your family is the government. So, in a sense, I guess, look to the family. Look somewhere else to the government, though. Always to the government. It's a horrible lesson. And if you're on food stamps, forgive me, but you can buy, you know, generic cereal for pretty damn cheap. A gallon of milk, thanks to Joe Biden, has definitely increased significantly in cost, but not to the point of breaking you. All right? So maybe you go with a little bit less. You can buy a dozen eggs. It ain't cheap but a kid ain't going to eat a five-egg omelet, right? You scramble up an egg, you put a little bit of cheese in it. You put a couple of cubes of ham in it, and boom, you got a good breakfast right there. But most importantly, and it's not going to win you a Michelin star, but most importantly, it's going to show that kid that you give a damn, that that kid matters to you, that you are the priority, that that kid is the priority to you. Instead, I'll just go to school. You got uh, lunch. 
Uh, every day. When I was growing up, we were allowed to eat a school lunch one day a week. We could choose which day of the week we wanted. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a buck or a buck and a half, maybe. I, maybe I'm romanticizing that, but I don't remember what it was, what it cost. I think by the time in high school, it was like three bucks for the salad bar. But you could, um, I used to split that with my friend John. And we'd pile, because it was a serve yourself, build your own salad. We got in trouble once because we built a giant salad. We'd split it. Do you really think this is the vice principal? Do you really think this is one salad? Like, well, it's all on one tray. Control yourselves, gentlemen. Like, all right, your public school prince, vice principal. All right, calm down. But we're allowed to eat one day a week. I usually chose Friday because Friday was grilled cheese, tomato soup, and what we called a big dipper. I didn't really care for the pizza. It was it was cardboard with ketchup on it. But uh, the uh, grilled cheese was awesome. The cr- you had to kind of saw your way through the crust with your teeth a little bit. But it's still, it was so good. The encrusted cheese. I don't know when they actually grilled these things up. Probably on Wednesday. But it was so good. And the uh, tomato soup. You can't really go wrong with tomato soup. And the big dipper was some sort of weird... It wasn't just peanut butter. They mixed peanut butter with something. And it was like a half inch thick with a thin layer of peanut... with a thin layer of chocolate on top. It was so good. That was the dessert you got. And you got a milk. And so I would usually choose that. The rest of the stuff, nothing else actually sticks out. I can't say, oh, they had really good meatloaf. I don't remember. But that was it. Every other day of the week, all the way through my entire school career till college, my mother made me lunch. It was a sandwich, sometimes two sandwiches, bologna and cheese with barbecue sauce. I liked it. Don't don't judge me. Who are you? Or liver sausage, which I don't know. Now, now that I think about what it is, it's probably gross. Or... Um, peanut butter and jelly never with the crust cut off the crust was food man drives me nuts the kids want the crust cut off like the crust is part of the sandwich should eat the whole damn sandwich but then they just leave the shell there but that was it and there was a a, sometimes like a was never a bag of chips but sometimes there'd be like a tweaky or a ding dong or a ho-ho or something in there that was my lunch i knew that my mom cared enough my mom always my mom was disabled my mom could not work my mom had one leg and she'd hop around because she wouldn't necessarily she usually made sometimes she didn't put her leg on and she'd go oh i forgot to make breakfast or i forgot to make lunch and she'd get up and and be in there in one leg making my lunch that was it it was never you know you're 15 years old you can make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. i could make my own peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the weekends if i wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich most times i had to make the damn peanut butter and jelly sandwich why because she was like her weekend off she had other things to do she had a life she was not you know i was a priority but i was also an experiment a a learning tool i had to learn not only that my parents take care of me but i also had to take care of myself is different now three hots provided i don't know what the difference between school and prison is except for the cot you know in prison you get three hots and a cot now in schools you get three hot meals, and now they don't want the stigma attached to it. They want to give. You see this more and more. I don't know why I'm going off on this, but what the hell? Slow news week. I don't know why you go off on this, but you got. Uh, you know, it used to be there were certain kids that got the free lunches. 
You had to apply for the free lunches, and you could get the free lunches. I'm sure we could have gotten the free lunches, but my parents were never going to let us get the free lunches. We can get you lunch. Don't worry about that. But now they don't want have to, they want to have to give the kids who need the free lunches the free lunches. They want to avoid the stigma. Oh, the the little children are going to have a stigma attached to them. So instead, they just give it to everybody. They give it to everybody. There's the same mentality that took away the food stamps and replaced them with the debit cards. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's bright orange here in Maryland. It says Independence Card. I assume it was named ironically. should be Codependence Card. But all right, they've got their card, and they get to act like everybody else. They can't buy certain things with it. They buy their cigarettes with I've seen it so many times. Buy their cigarettes with a lot of cash stuffed in their bra. And you go, wait a second. Why am I subsidizing your... Uh, Big Bites here at this 7-Eleven and your bags of Cheetos, but not. And you got it. Why do you have a, a wad of cash that could choke a horse to buy your booze and your cigarettes? That seems a bit weird to me. I think something might be off there. I think I believe some people might be cheating the system, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm not sure if I'm breaking news there, but just be on the lookout for something like that. But with schools, they well, we've got to make sure there's no stigma attached. There should be a stigma attached. There should be a stigma. It's not a shame stigma, but it certainly shouldn't be a point of pride that your family suckles the government teat. Look, everybody's going to face hard times. Everybody's going to need help. No problem there. But it should not become a way of life. The stigma should be, look, we don't have a choice. We've got to accept this help. But damn it, I'm going to bust my ass as hard as I have to so that we don't have to do this very long, all right? Because it's embarrassing to be suckling the government team. When I was a kid, it was. It was. You'd see the kid with the free lunch. Free lunch. What's your last name? Blah, whatever. Okay, go ahead. And they check them off on the list. They weren't proud of it. I don't ever remember like a kid with a free lunch going, hey, you know what? I brought a sandwich today. Why don't you use my free lunch? Go ahead. I never remember that. Didn't know who the free lunch kids were unless you stood, unless you were behind them in line and they embarrassingly said, free lunch today, for free. Because they weren't proud of it. They knew that it was something not to aspire to. It was something necessary, sure, but not something to aspire to. We need to get back to that. We need the shame. A little bit of shame, a little bit of embarrassment goes a long way. How many people busted their asses because they didn't want to swipe that orange independence card? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. There, Here endeth the sermon today on that. Go back to the government because we're not going to be engaging in cannibalism. We have survived the threat of a shutdown for another 45 days. Honest to God, I you watch this story. I don't know a single human being who is not in the media who gives a crap about, or in government, who gives a crap about this. And actually, most of the people I know in government who would have seen their pay temporarily shut off for a little bit, but then made up for, they don't care either. No real human beings do. Maybe if you're government dependent, you might go, wait a second, what about me? But in general, who gives a damn if the government trusts? Shut it down. Keep it shut for a while. I want to see, you know, as a kid you used to try and see how long you could hold your breath and who could hold their breath the longest. I want to see how long we can go without a, a government being open. Non-essential government employees not working. That's what I want to see. Oh, but what about this? What, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. Still, they'll, everybody will be made whole, cry me a river, blah, blah, blah. 
But we really do need to do something to shrink government. And most importantly, we need to get it through the thick heads of a lot of people out there who are wildly stupid that you can get by quite well without government. And in fact, government, as Ronald Reagan famously said, isn't the solution to your problems. Nine times out of ten, the government is the reason for your problems. I would love to see a political candidate, and you just don't see it out there. I suppose DeSantis is kind of the closest, but it, if I want to see, I'd vote for Donald Trump in the primary if he said, look, I'm not going to do anything for you. There's no constitutional authority for me to do anything for you on X, Y, or Z, or whatever it is, but what I will do is I'm going to fight like hell to get the government out of your way. I'm going to fight like hell to get the government out of your way so that you can do whatever the hell you want to do with your life. I want the government to be such a non-factor in your life that the next time there's a government shutdown, because there will be another government shutdown at some point, you won't even notice it. You won't give a damn. You'll laugh at the idea. Because normal people don't care. If you're not dependent on government, you don't care. You shouldn't care. You sh if you, even if you are dependent on government, you shouldn't care. But if you are, are, are not dependent on government, you should not care. But the media, the left, has hyped up the concept so much. Oh, senior citizens are going to be forced to eat each other in the nursing homes. There's not going to be food. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But what about the... Oh, no. We've averted disaster for 45 days. Now, don't get me started, and maybe tomorrow I'll go off about this because we have to be honest with ourselves. I get it. I hear the blowhards out there. I read their stupid opinion pieces. I see their dumbass tweets. I hear their stupid monologues. People send me links to their things. This one says they should draw a line in the sand and make sure that blah, 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 and not reopen the government. And McConnell's, McConnell's ex, okay, McConnell's ex, and they should do this, and McCarthy sex. And blah. All right, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This week, Matt Gates. I don't know what his latest uh, ethics problem is. I don't really care. He's not my member of Congress. I don't give a damn. I like what he says sometimes, and then other times I just sit there and go, God, you're an ass. If he, was, if he ran for speaker, how many votes do you think Matt Gates would get? Four? Five? Okay, well then what? Well, you don't know. You never. I know he's never going to get anywhere near a majority. Not because people don't agree with him by and large on the issues. It's because he's an ass. He's an ass. He's a self-promoting ass. You can. There are a lot of people in this business, in media, that are just self-promoting. You listen to them, they're like, everything is about yourself. In politics, the same thing. Self-promoting ass. That's great. That's great. They get a lot of TV hits. They don't get a lot of things done. What's the great big legislative victory for conservatism that Matt Gates spearheaded? Huh? The problem is they don't have the votes. All right? They carry the House of Representatives right now by five votes. Five votes. What do you do with that? How do you say, all right, we are shutting this down, we're closing this department, we're doing this, that, and the other thing, and then we're throwing it to the Senate, and good luck to you. The Senate's going to go, you can go to hell. We're controlled by Democrats, all right? Plus, Susan Collins exists. Lisa Murkowski exists. There are a lot of Republicans who look at this and go, no, we're not going to do that. So what do you do? I mean, you couldn't get it passed in the House anyway because it's a five-vote majority, and Republicans actually have diversity of opinions. So then what do you do? 
You just go, well, then I'm going to shut down the government and I'm never again going to open this up. We've got to get something. We've got to get some. Every time we've been here, Republicans have gotten next to nothing, right? And all that happens is self-righteous media pricks go, what? They, once the deal is passed, it's always the last minute because they wait till the last minute. And they go, all right, here it is. Vote on it. And then the next week is spent. Do you know that there's money for this in the middle, there's money for Planned Parenthood. There's money for, oh, and everybody's like, oh, God, Republicans suck. And that's exactly what you don't need going into an election. It's exactly what you don't need going into an election. It's what they say, what they call counterproductive. It's also wildly stupid. It's great for donations. It's great to get new subscribers. It's great to get listeners. It's great to sell your wares to. I'm Mr. Pure's wind-driven snow conservative, whatever. It's super easy to be an absolutist and pure when you have no skin in the game whatsoever. And in fact, it's the opposite. You will profit from it. You sit on the sidelines and, oh, this is great. This guy sucks and we need to get rid of him. Okay. Look, is Mitch McConnell my ideal leader in the United States Senate? Absolutely not. I'm grateful for what he did on Merrick Garland. You imagine that mutant on the Supreme Court. But otherwise, he's a typical Washington guy. But then who is going to take his place? I would love to. If I had a, a, a wand, a magic wand, and the ability to install somebody, I'd put Mike Lee in charge. Hell, I might put Rand Paul in charge and make Mike Lee his deputy. That would be fun. But those two combined probably wouldn't get five votes either for minority leader. So then what do you do? You deal with the reality that is, and then you work desperately to change that reality. And that means challenging some Republicans in primaries. It also means nominating good, sane candidates who can actually win following the Buckley rule, not the... Not the Trump rule of this person said nice things about me. Dr. Oz was never a conservative, but he said he buttered him up and like, oh, all right, I'll support him. Or he's my friend. Sorry, Herschel Walker may be the salt of the earth. And if you're moving, you want to call him up and he'll show up to your house and he'll work all day moving your couches for you because that's what kind of solid guy he is. Not a particularly conservative guy, horrible candidate, horrible fumble right there. And it wasn't because of anybody else. So you need to win long term. I realize everybody, you know, here's the thing everybody tells you, especially in this business, media. Time is short. The clock is ticking. We're running out of this. We're running out. Yeah, no, it's eventually, yes. In my lifetime, probably not. But eventually, yes. Eventually, the piper will need to be paid. But he's not knocking on the door right now. You have to be realistic about these things. You have to play the long game. That's what the Democrats are exceedingly good at. They have a, an impatient wing that they usually just kind of pat on the head and send them on their way. They recognize they'll take a giant bite out of what their that they want to advance, the policies they want to advance when they can, but otherwise they're going to keep fighting one inch at a time. It's trench warfare over there. Whereas we sit there and we go, we took a vote on Obamacare. McCain comes in, he says, thumbs down. And uh, well, that's it. We're one vote away. That's the end of it. What are you going to do? And ever since then, they haven't bothered to try to repeal and or replace Obamacare. 
because they didn't really want to do it in the first place. You need to replace members over time, take over. You're not going to do it by being an obstinate douche. You have to win people to your cause. You can win people to subscribe to you. They'll subscribe to your newsletter. They'll follow you on social media if you're an obstinate douche. They'll pay attention to you. You'll get booked on cable news. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, my God. Up next, we're talking to the obstinate douche. What you won't do is expand the base, win over a single voter. There's nobody who is watching an election and hears somebody just be a complete jackass and goes, well, I'm in. Up until that moment, being a complete jackass, conservatism has not appealed to me, but I heard somebody do it with a, a self-righteousness that really is bordering on psychotic. I'm in. I'm in. It's somebody absolutely demanding everything they want in exchange for nothing at all. That's a great I'm in. I, I, I need to vote for that. You're just not going to. You have to win elections. You have to win a lot of elections. You have to win elections over time. I understand that the longer somebody's in Washington, the more likely it is that they are to become a part of the problem, a part of the swamp. Whatever. Replace them too. Put the fear of God and God being the constituents in these politicians and you'll be surprised how principled they can be until you elect somebody who actually is principled. But you're not, the Democrats worked for where we are in healthcare for 40 years. For 40 years. Can you name anything Republicans really genuinely worked toward for anywhere near that long? You could say, well, Roe v. Wade overturned. No, they really didn't. They really didn't. They never once passed anything to ban abortion to overturn Roe v. Just like Democrats never really passed anything to codify Roe into law. They talked about it a lot. Both sides did. Pandering, and oh, we'll do this. They never really did anything about it because they didn't really care. It was more of a motivation. You'd be surprised how many people you listen to on a daily basis, be it in media, be it in politics, who talk as though they are true, absolute, 100% believers who couldn't give a single damn about the things that they talk about. There are many in the pro-life community who don't really give a crap about abortion. Or it might be like, hey, I don't like abortion, it's a bad thing. But, you know, can't really do much about it. And if we did anything about it, it would be political suicide. So I don't really want to do anything about that. So keep your mouth shut, don't say anything. Shush, shush, shush. It happens all the damn time. And you can sit there and say, well, you're really wildly cynical, Dick. I am really wildly cynical. But I wasn't born this way, Okay. I was born this gorgeous, I was born this smart, but I wasn't born this cynical. The cynicism comes from experience. The cynicism comes from watching this stuff happen over and over and over again. You got to replace these people. And if that may, and here's what you got to do. And this is going to, it's a 25 year plan. And you've got an RNC that probably doesn't know what the hell they're doing in this weekend, let alone 25 years from now. You've got to find candidates and elect them to school board. It's kind of already started on the local level. Get them on school board. Get them on city councils. Think of it as the draft league in baseball, then the minor leagues. You got A ball. You got double A ball. You got triple A ball. And then you bring them up to the show. Now, some people can jump the line. Cal Ripken Jr. got to the uh, major leagues pretty quick. 
and spent a couple years in the minors. Some people never spent a day in the minors. Some people spent five years in the minors, and then they made it up there, and they made it to the Hall of Fame. It just, ah, what's his name? Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge spent way too much time in the minors. I don't know what the hell is wrong with the Yankees. Spent way too much time in the minors. Aaron Judge is going to have to kind of be a, a pity vote to get into the Hall of Fame because the Yankees took so damn long to get him up into the major leagues. He just can't have that long of a career. I'm glad he, he got paid, but he got screwed by the Yankees too, so they damn well better have paid him. But you got to look at it that way. And throughout that process, people have to pay attention. you got to first of all have serious, genuine conservatism at the RNC. You can't tell people to go to hell. You can't say, well, you're just squishy, whatever. Your 60% friend is not your 40% enemy, but and you, you should stay out of primaries, but you can root for and set up things in a way that favor conservatives so that eventually you can get more conservatives up there. Then you can start making the policies. My whole lifetime, Jimmy Carter started the Department of Education 78 or whatever it was. Ronald Reagan came, we're going to get rid of the Department of Education. It hadn't even been in office, for, in, in existence, I mean, for more than a couple of years. And the establishment said, oh, you can't do that. It's the Department of Education. Think of all the children you're going to hurt. Look at test scores before the Department of Education came into existence and look at test scores after the Department of Education came into existence and tell me any area of the country, any state in the union, any city in any state that has seen an increase in the positive outcome for children and learning because of the Department of Education's involvement. Nothing. I'd like, I, I have this philosophy, I have this belief, and I've been working with somebody at a prominent think tank to sort of flesh this out. Got to follow up on that soon. Came up with this idea that I need to find a deep red state that tells the Department of Education to go to hell. I'll put it out there because there's no money in it for me. There's, there's a principle. A lot of, uh, it drives me nuts. I could probably monetize it. I could probably start a nonprofit and get a ton of money and not really do anything but write white papers about this. But I would much rather this be done. You find a deep red state with a supermajority of Republicans and you tell, get them to tell the Department of Education to go to hell. I don't know how much money the Department of Education... and The Department of Education spends a lot of money in the grand scheme of things, but it's a small percentage of what each state spends on its education. But every dollar that comes from the Department of Education comes with strings attached to it. They're trying to attach strings now about being training kids in sports and whatever and bathrooms and everything. I want a state that just tells the Department of Education, the federal government, go to hell. We don't need your money. We don't want your money. We will take none of it. This is how the government gets its power. This is how government gets so much power. This is how government de facto bastardizes the 10th Amendment. And so we're not going to issue any mandates. We're just going to say, here's a pile of money. If you would like this pile of money, you got to act this way. You don't have to take the money, but if you want it, you got to act this way. And states, some states resist for a while, but eventually every state kind of comes around and will take a little bit of the money. I mean, once a, a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, and then you end up in a situation where Washington is contributing 7 12% of your education budget, but dictating about 90% of your policies, your curriculum, or everything like that. I want somebody to tell, I want somebody to have the balls, frankly, 
to tell the federal government to go to hell. Not interested. Don't need your money. Find a creative way to come up with the rest of the money or whatever so you don't have to cut education. You don't have to do anything. Just you're getting the federal government out of it. Show that the Department of Education is unnecessary. Really bring education back local. And then show that it can be done, not only from a financial aspect, but show positive outcomes. It would also probably have to involve special rules. I have, I'm going to give away, I don't, this could be boring, but I don't really care. But I think it's important. I came up with an idea for enterprise careers. They're enterprise zones where you get t- tax breaks or whatever if you open up your business in depressed areas like Detroit. And that's good. And they, they, they work by and large. What about enterprise careers? You want no income. It won't be federal because the federal government won't be down with that. But you want no income taxes, no state income tax in this red state. Whatever it is, go into teaching. Go into teaching and you will for, I don't know, maybe the entirety of your career not pay any state income tax. We'll even refund you a certain percentage of your federal income tax. Be all good. You get this great tax benefit. All you got to do is forego tenure, right? Tenure. Not even union membership, tenure. You can maybe make it union membership, I don't know. But you have to be fireable. You have to be fireable, which means you get this great benefit, depending on your state, you get this extra money that you get to keep to your money. You earned it. But you have to be accountable for it. You have to be a good teacher. I'd like to do this on a federal level too, but that's never going to happen with Democrats around owned by the teachers unions. But it would be amazing because I think if you make it voluntary, you'd get a whole bunch of teachers. You get a whole bunch of people going into the teaching profession for a while going, oh, good pay, no state taxes, maybe an advancement on the uh, taxes you pay federally. That's pretty good. I'm going to give teaching a try. And you might suck. And after a year or two, you just, the state says, you suck. And you go, yeah, I do. All right, I'm out. You're out. But some people who go, I'm going to try this for the money, might find, they might discover that they love teaching. And more than that, they might discover that they're pretty damn good at teaching. <clears throat> and so you then have a new teacher who's really good at teaching, who loves doing it, who actually is capable of doing it and teaches kids. And you got that for no real special bonuses or recruitment. It's just the salary and you just didn't take your taste. Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And then you can go to merit pay after that. You forego the union membership. You can then be judged on merit and paid accordingly. What a what a novel idea. One of the things I always find hilarious is that unions are absolutely 100% horrified at the prospect of voluntary membership in their organization. They want people forced to enter into it. You want the job, you got to join the union. That tells you something about them, doesn't it? It tells you what they think of unions, that if membership were voluntary, they wouldn't have half the members that they have. So they want the money, they want the members. Well, this would be a way to put a a nice slice through that, wouldn't it? Because what's the argument? They're trying to screw you. It's voluntary. You can stay in the union. You don't have to participate in this. But you're not going to get the breaks. 
You're not going to get the merit pay raises. You're not going to get anything. Maybe teachers, look, if you're five years from retirement, I wouldn't blame you. If you're a teacher, you go to hell with that. I'm not giving this stuff up. No way. But new teachers, boom. They all, everybody goes into it. Nobody goes into teaching thinking, I suck at this, but I'm going to get my summers off. They all think they're good. Challenge them. Some of them might be. Challenge them. Reward them and punish them. All that good stuff. But nope. Right now, Republicans are too busy forming circular firing squads. Gates wants to get rid of McCarthy. It's stupid. Who's going to take his place? All right, who's going to take his place? We're going to take Jim Jordan. We're going to put Jim Jordan doesn't want the job. Jim Jordan is exactly where he should be leading an impeachment inquiry. You're going to take him off of that? One of the few articulate, knowledgeable people who can question witnesses in an effective way for a general audience, and you're going to take him and rip him off and put him in a ceremonial position that mostly spends all its time fundraising? Anybody thinking this through? No? No, you're not. But you don't care because people are angry. Oh, I'm true conservative. I'm this, that, and the other. Okay, what are you going to do? How about you win some elections? Win some elections. Then we can talk about all sorts of things. But none of these people do. Meanwhile, really quickly, this Jabal Bowman uh, thing is hilarious to me. He didn't. I love AOC's defense. He was scared. He was trying to get out a door. A black man is incapable of understanding how a fire alarm works. She didn't say that, but she might as well have, because that's the gist of what the Democrats are arguing is. Black man can't read a sign. Black man gets confused by signs. You want to tell me Jamal Bowman's reading comprehension level is that of a third grader? He's not very bright. I'm inclined to believe you, but I think even he would recognize what an emergency exit is, having been a high school principal, and having passed that door for three years. Personally, I remember when I worked in the United States Senate, every time I tried to go over to the Capitol, I'd get confused, end up throwing a chair through the window and using a rope ladder to get down. And you'd always see senators doing the same. I remember one time seeing Hillary Clinton herself shimmying down a rope ladder from the Russell Senate office building to get over to the United States Capitol. So confusing was the concept of doors at the time or the tunnel that takes you right there or the subway cars that you don't even have to walk it. It's so freaking stupid. I'm old enough to remember that when anything that obstructed Congress conducting its own business was considered an insurrection. I really do. I'm pretty sure. I'll check some notes, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm because he was trying to delay the vote. Or he's so wildly stupid that all sharp and semi-sharp objects in his office and in his orbit need to be removed immediately. He's either a lying fraud who committed a felony or a crime of some sort and should probably be expelled from Congress, or he is someone for whom childproof lids on pill bottles was created. I don't know. Ooh, look at these colors. They're so pretty. Ooh, tastes terrible, but I'm going to continue to chew it. He has... <laughs> he's either... A fraud and a left-wing lunatic who has played a lot of stunts like this in the past, or he is really just five minutes of unsupervised time in a laundry room away from taking the Tide Pod challenge. 
You make the call. I don't know, but I suspect, well, I have my suspicions. Anyway, that is enough for today. I think I've ranted a lot. I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. It's Monday, though, so that's what happens on Mondays. By the way, I went and saw the uh, Paw Patrol movie today. I didn't take the girls. I wanted to see. I'm a huge Chase fan. No, um, Marshall's my dog. No, uh, I took the girls to see um, the Paw Patrol movie. Regal Cinemas. Regal Cinemas are nice. I don't think they have a very strict ticket checking policy. You buy the tickets online, and I've never seen any. I've never had to like prove that I bought the tickets. But we get there. It's a four ten in the afternoon start for the movie. It, like it was a last, it was a game time decision. I was going to try and take them tomorrow, but I got they've both got soccer tomorrow. So like, when can I do this? And so like twenty minutes to go, and like let's get your shoes on. The wife was off at a hair appointment. Let's go to uh, Paw Patrol. So we get there, and we got there with like two minutes to spare. It was nice. We sat. I always sit in the back row, and uh, it starts. 10 minutes of commercial at 410 10 minutes of commercials literally not not like commercials not trailers commercials pepsi commercials insurance commercials it was something you'd get on your tv at home 10 minutes of it i'm like okay well this is they're, they're always regal cinemas at least they're the only ones around here that i've gone to in a while they show a lot of trailers and you're just sitting there by the fifth one going start the damn movie so it was 10 minutes of commercials then it was 10 minutes of trailers because they can only show, they're not going to show like the new Halloween movie or the new uh, horror exorcist movie or anything like that in front of a kid movie. So it's all the kid movies. They probably would have shown more, but they just didn't have that many kid movies out. Then it was a five minute Dora the Explorer half in Spanish thing about riding a rainbow and looking for these stupid fish type things that fly in the sky and kind of look like. I don't know what the hell they're supposed to they look like uh, stingrays or something. I don't know what the hell's going on. And I'm like, what the heck is this? It was to the point that Quinn sitting next to her. She is such my daughter. She's getting mad. Come on. She doesn't swear. I was like, come on, what is going on? Why are they doing it? And she's getting louder and louder. Now there are only like five people in the theater and the other kids are sort of grumbling too. Bailey was just mostly sitting there ignoring this thing, waiting for the movie to start. But Quinn was getting physically angry. Like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Can we skip this? Can we skip this? Finally, the movie starts. The movie isn't terrible. The movie is not going to win an Oscar for best animated movie or anything like that. But if you like kids and your kids like uh, Paw Patrol, it's worth going to see. It's harmless. There are moments where they were laughing hysterically, um, which is why you go to a kid's movie. So check it out. But just... um, the start times, especially if you're at a Regal Center. I don't know what it is about uh, maybe at others. It's show up 20 minutes late. Buy your tickets online. Choose your seats as far away from everybody's humanly possible like I do. And then show up 20 minutes late and you'll be just fine. You might have to fumble around in the dark to get to your seats. But choose the aisle seats and uh, you'll be much, much better off for it anyway that's there's your pro tip of the day your parenting pro tip of the day brought to you by what the hell was it was it who did you make the call who did the thing you make the call i can't remember alcoa or something like that anyway that's enough for today we'll be back here to do it all again tomorrow don't forget about the weekend effort review and the contest and everything patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast derek hunter appreciate you see you tomorrow